When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody how you doing well that's good you're listening to phly flyers that's right phly my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening joining me as always philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter charlie o'connor yeah bill and i are here to take you into the weekend from four to five it is a phenomenal philly friday we have here sure philly is. flyers friday and we are wrapping up the uh the second week here at PHLY, Charlie. I yeah. think we've we've produced what nine or eight until today. Pretty decent shows. Yeah, I think they've been really good. I, I personally think they've been great. I I've really enjoyed what we've done yesterday with Kelly. Was a ton of fun. Yeah, it was. A blast. I think people are really looking forward to uh, more of the BSH crew getting together. But the the work you and I have done is been pretty well recepted so far so i'm happy about it i've been enjoying it i hope our, our listeners have been enjoying it i hope our readers are enjoying the uh, the content the content baby content that i'm trying to pump out that for Philly's everyone content man you're you're gonna cover a playoff team one way or another yeah this right year. it might not be the flyers <laughs> but the phillies sure look like they're gonna make the playoffs unless they completely choke at last i saw it was like 99 percent. so if they blow this one it's we can't laugh about 07 anymore that that is true yeah and i want to keep being able to laugh about the mets it's one of my favorite things of all time it like truly they, is they handed them loss 82 last year a team that's gonna end up paying roughly like close to half a billion in payroll this year yeah it's L- great having a losing season that you can't take away me laughing at the Mets for never me. it's truly one of the the most pure joys in all of life uh, we don't have that many joys as Philadelphia sports fans we don't the Mets being hilarious is one of the few consistently great things that but, and the Cowboys losing in the playoffs yeah and that's just it's they're one in the same really <laughs> it's it's really the, the two things are the same amazing uh, but we are here to talk about one of the things that recently has not brought us a ton of joy and it's our Philadelphia Flyers but hey it's training camp day two baby uh you can't you can't be too down on them yet because they haven't done anything to disappoint us and uh, i mean don't don't challenge people (laughs) (laughs) they will find a way oh certainly they will certainly find a way i mean they didn't trade scott lawton at the draft (laughs) wise carter hart's still here there's plenty of things but we are remaining uh, somewhat optimistic but just seems like for a day where it was you know yesterday there's no pucks it's the bag skate it's not like much is going to come out of that other than what comes out of the players (laughs) fair uh, (laughs) after the the day but we actually got some quotes and stuff today we had you know lines and lineups to discuss stuff happened today things to actually break down so let's start it and um i guess one of the more 
One of the more polarizing guys on this roster, Travis Sanheim, both said and did some stuff today that I guess is worth starting with. Um, I guess I want to start with his reaction to... Yeah, I guess he was asked about the trade rumors, and they weren't rumors. No, they, it was like, it he was, was involved in a trade. Ken, Ken report yeah. from very very uh, reliable sources close to the situation that had Tory Krug waived yeah. his no trade clause, Travis Sanheim would be a St. Louis Blue he right was, now. For all intents and purposes, traded right before his own no trade yes. kicked in. Yes, and then the trade gets shot down by Tory Krug, and Travis Sanheim is still here, and now. He he is here for eight years. <laughs> that seems what's going to happen. At least for now. And that's, oh, yeah. Well, his comments kind of made it seem as if he wants to be here, which I, I guess you're getting paid the same either way, bro. But why? <laughs> it's, it's a fair he, point. He seems to want to be here. No, and it was a really interesting I, I guess side storyline going into camp because the fact of the matter is is that a lot the way a lot of guys look at a situation like this is if the team doesn't want me I don't want to be here anymore and then you look at the flyer situation where they're entering a rebuild and then you think to yourself okay so they're trying to trade me and the team's probably not gonna be good for three to four years maybe this is a way for me if I really want to to come into camp have conversations with the GM ownership whatnot and basically say hey if you guys want to keep trying to trade me, I'll waive that no trade. That said, his contract is so large, I don't know if he... <laughs> no way to trade I mean, the, the, the whole reason why the Blues trade... <laughs> he wins the North. Yeah. I mean, it's possible he can rehabilitate his value. Right now, though, you would think it's very difficult to trade him. That said, they almost traded him to St. Louis with that contract about to kick in. Yeah. So it's clearly not impossible, but... Travis Sanheim said all the right things today. He basically said that, you know, yes, I'm aware of the trade rumors. I was following that very closely for more than a few days. But since then, I've had productive conversations with Danny Briere, with Keith Jones, with John Tortorella, and I'm excited to be a flyer. I want to make this work. So at the very least, even if behind closed doors, and to be clear, I don't think this is happening, but even if behind closed doors, he was telling them like, hey, if a trade comes around, I'm not not going to wave. He's at least saying the right things publicly to the point where he's not presenting himself as disgruntled or or angry that he almost got moved like three days before his no trade kicked in. I am I am a uh, Travis Sanheim skeptic. Uh, I think even his most ardent supporters like Charlie O'Connor, uh, believers I, in his talent. It's I, not I as would if you're that. waving a Sanheim yes. flag. I think he's a you, good player who had a bad year last a, year. a believer in his talent. You have a belief that his ceiling is higher than I do. I am a Sanheim skeptic. After listening to to his comments today, my first reaction was, brother, we're st stuck together for the next eight years. Slap the C <laughs> on him. <laughs> Legitimately. You know what? The search is over. He's going to be here. Whatever. But uh, honestly, it was, uh, I was thinking, yeah, you know, this regime wants to trade me. But, like, how old is Travis Sanheim? He's on his, what, third GM, third president? Yeah, you never know. Guess who's going to be here longer than Jonesy and Briere in his mind? Him. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they want to trade me, but they're going to last two, three years, and there's going to be some other brand new plan to fix this godforsaken team. Oh, my I'm God. not selling. You know, we, we know they all hate to move. It's like the that number one true. reason dudes sign eight-year contracts in shitty situations, much like Travis Sanheim. Say, ah. Oh, 
Never have to move. This is great. We know they hate moving. You know, they all probably have like pinball machines because that's what I would do if I was a millionaire. I think that's you might just be pro- you might move. be projecting a little bit, yeah. but I respect it. Well, that's impossible to move. Like it's a big yeah. pain in the ass or a grand piano or something. So like, screw it. I'll just buy a nice house and be done. That seems to be his situation. But I was encouraged by what I heard from Sanheim today because we've heard like he wants to stick around, be part of the solution. And every time I hear that, I'm like. You're Do stupid. You? Do you? <laughs> but like, I I get it because I'm stuck here. So if you want to be stuck here with me, cool. And, All and right. he's got a I'm lot. I'm willing of- to open up my mind to the possibility that there's more to f- find out about Travis. He's Sandler. got a lot of friends on the team. He's really tight with Travis Konechny. They literally live across the street from each other now. So imagine living in that neighborhood. He's he's happy here, aside from the fact that obviously he had a bad year last season. To me, the key with this situation, and we're going to get into some changes, maybe a potential explanation as to why he was so underwhelming last year. But the big thing for me with Sandheim is he needs to do a better job, and not he needs to do a better job because I'm not pinning this all on him. But him and Tortorella need to click better. And yeah. there was one quote that Tortorella dropped yesterday, and neither of them are going to confirm that there was about him but basically Tortorella said that he had a conversation with a player this summer who did not play that well for him last year and basically what the player the unnamed player told him was I feel like we're in a better place the two of us now because I better understand you. You better understand me. And when I heard that, the first person I was like, well, that's obviously Travis Sanheim. Who else would it have been? Because it's got to be a player who's still here. So it's certainly not Kevin Hayes or Ivan Proveroff. I would say, yeah, the, the two main culprits gone. Yeah. Uh, it would basically be like it's Sa- Sanheim. or Sanheim. Yeah. Well, fair, maybe Frost. But I don't even think Frost. I, I think Farabee and Torts are cool. I think they just came to an understanding that we're not going to count that year against him. Sandheim was the one where, and it makes sense. Like it, that it, makes the most it sense just make, to it, me. It just makes sense because they're such different people. Like Torts, everyone knows Torts' personality. He's fiery. He's in your face. He's confrontational. Travis Sandheim is quieter he's not i I wouldn't call him laid back because that's not a fair way to describe him but he's definitely a quieter guy he's more the kind of guy who like plays off someone else rather than is driving the conversation who's driving the action like that's why him and tk work so well (laughs) as friends because travis connectney is nuts and travis sandheim can kind of be like the you know he can get away with some craziness because he's matching travis connectney rather than trying to be the crazy guy because that wouldn't be that wouldn't be him it just wouldn't be sincere so i think that the two of them that sandheim and tortorella i think just personality wise it wasn't a natural fit and i hope that this year they just maybe they're never going to be buddy buddy but maybe they're able to understand each other other and interact with each other better than they did last year because they just have that year. They've, they've gone through any rough patches. Obviously, there was that time where he was scratched in Calgary, where his, his whole family went yeah, to the that game. that was really uncool. That was, like, that was rough. That's Babcock shit right That was there. rough. Like, that's one of those things It was lean go, in Babcock, like, yeah. I am... I'm, fine with Tortorella, especially for now. Uh, but that's one of those things you just go like, what was the benefit of this? Yeah. Like in what way did you make the future of this team better by making this decision? That's unpopular. Cause you can make unpopular decisions. That's fine. That's your job as yeah. a coach. But like, if you have an explanation for it, I don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just struck me as towards maybe going a little bit too far. And I think I, we talked about it on this show on yeah, BSH yeah. where that I think towards 
recognize after the fact that he went a little bit uh, too he far would probably take and, that and, one back and a little. pulled back a little bit it was like oh you know maybe i shouldn't have done that one he'll never admit it at least publicly now but i i do think that that's going to be a big thing with with sandheim and torts is if sandheim's going to turn it around he has to have a more fruitful and productive relationship with his head coach hopefully they're going in that direction another thing and this is a little interesting tidbit that he dropped today sandheim dropped today was Sanheim apparently, and I did not know this, Sanheim apparently at the World Championships last year, so this would have been 2022 in May, he played for Team Canada, and apparently in the semifinal game, he fractured his foot. Yeah. And because Sanheim basically led with... This I, is new information, it's, right? It's definitely new information. Everyone, everyone on Twitter today was like, did we know this No, this forget? is It's new info. Okay. Because I asked Sanheim, you know, what did you do differently this summer, given the fact that last year didn't go the way you wanted it to? And he said, well, one thing I did differently was when I got the invite to play for Canada or the Worlds, I said no, because I didn't feel like breaking my foot again and having the first six weeks of my summer screwed up because I couldn't train. And it was like, if I learned anything from Jeff Carter. Don't break your foot in the summer. It ruins everything. It, it's, a, it's a problem. But anyway, yeah. so even if that had a little bit of an impact, even just in the sense of maybe him not getting off to as good of a start as he wanted to, and then everything snowballed from there, maybe, and it's not that I think the injury hampered him. It happened way back in May. I'm sure he was fine health-wise, but if he didn't quite have the productive offseason he wanted to have, maybe that contributed to his slow start, and then that contributes to John Terrell being frustrated with him, and that turns into a thing where the two guys aren't on the same page, and Sanheim loses confidence, and the year becomes a disaster you're hoping that after a full non-broken foot offseason with a better relationship with John Tortorella this year you're hoping that he could be more like the guy from two years ago and a lot less like the guy from last year I just think of how camp started yesterday with the bag skate what can't you do on a broken foot cardio yeah (laughs) so I I I don't want to use this as an excuse and you laid it out like this did this isn't the reason he had a bad year but you can see why something could have snowballed and good for him like okay I made this decision last year it worked against me I'm going to make a different decision and (laughs) listen he could block a shot and break his foot tomorrow and be in the exact same true but it's putting himself in a better position to get off to a better start yeah and like once the coach has confidence in you, maybe you'll regain some of yours. And they are going to, they are showing, I guess, a little bit of confidence in him or something. Something. They're moving him to the right side. Yeah. Which one tells me they're splitting up the, the Risto Sandheim pair. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And two, like, my beef with Sandheim, like, you can show me, and last year was a down year. Everyone agrees with it, but you can show me all your advanced stats you want and how <laughs> things are better when he's on the ice and not. Personally, I will need to see actual counting stat offense from him in order to accept what his role is. Right. Like, this is what I need from you, and that's been gone for a couple of seasons now. True. And and to accept the fact that, and I say this as a Travis Sanham defender, that when he makes mistakes in the defensive zone, they tend to be big ones. Yes. And that's just the way it's going to be. I need some offense yeah. to offset that. Exactly. We talked about this two days ago. A lefty playing the right side, in my mind, gives you an opportunity to create more offense. They're giving him that opportunity, or at least showing the confidence in him, like, 
we think you can do this. We're going to try you on the right side. Like, did, did he speak about that at all today? Or? So a couple of people asked me that. Unfortunately, the way that the, the interviews were timed, we got Sanheim before Torts. Ah. So Torts was the one who revealed that Sanheim is going to be on the right side, at least to start the year. So we didn't have the opportunity to ask Sanheim, hey, what do you think about this? Are you excited? Where's your head at, essentially? So, unfortunately, we didn't really get Sandheim's feedback. That said, we knew that someone was going to have to move to the we right. We talked about York yesterday. I think our assumption was it was going to be York because York spent so much time on the right side last year with Ivan Provorov on the top pair. It looks like they want to try to keep York on the left side for now, which makes sense. He prefers the left side. Let's develop him, ideally, at least to start, where he wants to play. Sandheim on the right is interesting because now you start wondering, okay, he's not with Risto because... You're not going to have your really your only clear-cut top four NHL defenseman, at least the way the organization views him. You're not going to put him on the left side. He's your only right-handed shooting defenseman who's like legitimately in the top-tier rotation. So Sanheim and Risto aren't playing together, so you wonder who's going to be with Sanheim. Are they going to put him with York? Are they going to have York on the left, Sandheim on the right? Are they going to put him with Mark Stahl and try to say, hey, Travis, watch a ton of tape of what Brandon Montour did with Mark Stahl last year and try to do that this year? There's some interesting possibilities here. That's something I like in my mind. It's then York and Risto. And and listen, I have no idea. Right. We'll but see. in my mind, it's York and Risto, and then it's Stahl doing Saul Stahl stuff, and they try to open that part of Sandheim's game up again because we saw it. We yeah. saw what he put up the one year, thirty nine points with no power play time. Like he looked like he could do it, and he basically hasn't scored since then. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair. Like, it's and it was that two three seasons ago. At this point, we're not talking about a prospect. We're not talking about a young guy. This is a veteran. Yeah, well, he's twenty seven now. I yeah, think something is, like that. It was late twenties. draft. It was a long. It was only, it was nine years ago. Jeez. That's I know, man. I know. Yikes. Yeah, it was Hextall's first pick. It was. That's, yeah, it was the one in Philly. This has been a yeah. while now. We need to see it out of him. I'm not totally convinced. Oh, yeah, he's definitely he's a top four defenseman on a good team. I'm not convinced of that, but I'm not also being like, oh, he's stick. Like, I'm not ready to throw him out. If they were to be able to complete this trade this summer, cool. But since he's stuck here, I think it was just the dumbest one. Giving your general manager the ability to give someone an eight year contract when you brought in a coach whose job it was to evaluate everybody and basically give you a list has it doesn't have it. Uh, uh, so we can't this is one of the guys we need to evaluate and it was, he's it, on a contract year yeah it was a year early and just a year early and and just the fact uh. that and, and this just this was one of the big when they offered Sanheim and Sanheim signed that contract on, back in the bottle yeah but on the on the eve or was the day of game one they literally signed into the deal that day like a couple hours before uh for a puck drop for game one last year and that was when I really because I was already on the like this team needs to rebuild. But that's when I really started emphasizing it because the fact that the Flyers had yet to admit to themselves they needed to rebuild, you were seeing the negative consequences of that when they signed Travis Sanheim to an eight-year contract. And I like Travis Sanheim. I'm a Travis Sanheim defender. I think he's a clear-cut second-pairing defenseman. I think he's a good player. But you don't... If you're... If you had taken an honest evaluation of where you were as a franchise in October of 2022, 
You do not sign a 27-year-old to an eight-year contract with a massive cap hit because you do that under the assumption that, you know, year six, seven, eight of that deal, he's probably going to be overpaid, and the Flyers might not be good until, until years then. Five, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight of that deal. So it was it was a contract that made no sense for their timeline. The only way it made sense is if the Flyers were still deluding themselves into thinking that they were going to be competitive immediately, it, which anyone who looked at the roster knew that they were never going to do that. We gave them a ton of shit for not signing Johnny because... Like, okay. And it was because like it was a fun thing that would... But they were telling us it was their it was their goal to still compete. And then the reason they didn't do it is the reason they didn't do it is because Chuck Fletcher couldn't figure out how to clear the cap space because <laughs> he's got the creativity of a freaking unsharpened pencil. But <laughs> they're telling us it doesn't match the timeline, which in a vacuum it doesn't. Yeah, so true. don't do it. Yeah. But also then don't resign Risto and don't resign Sandheim because yes, they don't match the goddamn timeline either. Exactly. They're exactly. mediocre players that you're giving all this money to. You could have given it to a great one. Yeah. I, but exactly. again, can't cry over the spilled milk. But, but, but it's over. <laughs> but that's the thing with Sandheim is that I think signing into that contract was dumb, yes. especially given where they're at with their timeline, especially now that they've admitted they need to rebuild. But the thing is, is that you can't go back and change the fact that he signed to the contract. He now over. he's under contract for eight years. He's part of this probably. So you damn well better figure out a way to get the best out of him while he's here. Because as we said, he's not going anywhere. You already made the bet on him. The flyers, uh, <laughs> Already made the bet on him. I was trying. Well done. I was trying well to set you done. up for that. Uh, if you don't have your bets in yet, you can still, there's still plenty of time to do it with DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? You know who it is. It's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. But nobody's missing out on the action this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. So get in on NFL Week 3 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code PHLY to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Here we go. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text Hope NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill and Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. I can still see you. You were so <laughs> close. I thought you <laughs> had it. I really thought I you had too. it. Yeah, got a little ahead of myself yeah. and had to backtrack. Yeah. Um, yep. Much like, I guess, the I don't know. Anyway. Much like the Flyers yeah. wish they could much have with like the Travis Sanders contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wish they could backtrack to October and fix that one, but <laughs> can't now. Uh, so that was that's what we got out of uh, out of Travis Sanheim and a lot of that today. And we spent a lot of time talking about one guy. Yeah. LOL, this metric. 
Metropolitan Division preview. We are going to be we are going to pre be previewing the divisions like the first week of the regular Probably. season. It's like, oh yeah, what about that Atlantic? I don't know. It's just going to be a running joke. <laughs> yes. When are we going to get to that Metro no, thing? No, this is this is going to be like Matt Damon on. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, we ran out of time. We ran out of time for Matt yeah. Damon. Yeah, but so that's uh, basically what it's going to be. But so. yeah, so we talked about Sandheim. Now, because Sandheim is the one moving to the right side, Cam York is apparently saying on the left side he had some good quotes today. <laughs> Cam York talking about talking. He said his number one priority is burning the rope. <laughs> that that John so Tortorella. This is great for a guy who, like, listen, this is such a dumb little thing, but a dude who didn't have a great camp last year, probably killed his confidence a little, but went down to the AHL, did the work, got the call up, and then honestly looked like their best blue liner last year. Yeah. For the time he was up, he looked like their best uh, defenseman. I would agree. And the comfort level he has to joke around about the coach. I know it's a dumb little thing, but I'm happy about it. Like his number one priority, he said he better hide that rope because I'm going to burn it. It's his number one priority. It was great. That's very funny to me. York has a, a kind of a cool personality because he's very deadpan and he's quiet, but he is funny. Like he has this sarcastic personality that he would show off. Like when I would talk to him, when some of the reporters that he had good relationships would talk to in the locker room, he'd flash it and you'd laugh and you're like, yeah, York's a good dude. But then you'd interview him on the record or you'd, you'd see him in front of the cameras and he would just be monotone and boring. And it's kind of cool that his first availability of this year, he shows that sense of humor that you know maybe this is an example of him becoming just more comfortable in general yeah in the nhl more comfortable guys to step up kevin hayes is gone yeah more comfortable with john tortorella more comfortable as a philadelphia flyer more comfortable in the nhl and hey if that means he's going to be a more effective player that's great we don't know but it to me it can't hurt and it's nice to see guys that have a sense of humor it's nice to see that he feels comfortable enough kind of digging a little bit at Torts and yeah. knowing that Torts ain't going to bench him for he it. He can't. <laughs> <laughs> he legitimately cannot. They don't have six NHL-quality defensemen. Amazing. Not, like, last year, he was in danger of not making the team, and he didn't. This year, he's the defense. Well, the fast, He's the yeah. only one I like. The fascinating part about York, and, and I did a story on this way back in, I think, November or December for The Athletic. I think it was December. And he kind of brought it up again today a little bit where – Essentially, one of York's big problems in camp last year was that he came into camp with a misconception of what John Tortorella wanted him to do. He came into camp last year thinking, this is John Tortorella. He's defense, 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 block shots, do all the little things. So I got to go out there and be super sound, be safe and, and be conservative. And then he gets sent down. And Tortorella, when they sent him down, basically said, I want to see the guy I was told about, the guy who makes plays, the guy who does things with the puck. And even when York got called back up after spending some time in the AHL, he still started out trying to do what he thought Torts wanted him to do. And essentially what happened was Torts would talk to him and be like, no, I want the opposite. I want you to do the things. And if you make mistakes, that's fine. I want you to develop as an offensively oriented guy. And I think that shows, number one, the difference between how 
Valley's approaching this camp versus last year's camp. Last year, he was so terrified of John Tortorella, he changed his game entirely. This year, he's making fun of John Tortorella <laughs> and threatening to burn his shit. And that's, like, it's just very exciting. And I think it speaks a lot to the misconception a lot of us had about John Tortorella yeah. and the type of coach. Like, yes, he wants you to be responsible. He wants the little things. But also, I bet you he's looking at that roster going... How the hell are we going to score? Yeah. Like if you're, yeah. you're one of the six guys on the team with any skill whatsoever, I need to see it. <laughs> like I really need to see it. And just I think back to like reading about Torts and what he did in Columbus, and it was like, yeah, Jones and Rorensky still have to play the way he wants. Also, they're playing positionless hockey yeah. out there. Wierenski like was essentially a rover. Wierenski's a rover. Yeah. Like, he's not playing defense. Yeah. Like, for Tortorella, he's playing whatever. Go make a play hockey. Yeah. He, and Cam York is the closest thing they have to that. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least right now. I mean, now. I'm not going to compare him to Zach Wierenski, no, who's no, a legit, no. like, awesome player. Yeah, Wierenski's a more dynamic defenseman yeah. than Cam York. But Cam York is a good skater. He does have legitimately plus passing ability. He has a good, accurate shot. Like, he can make plays. Now, if anything, his problem is that sometimes he can be a little bit too conservative, not nearly as conservative as he was at the start of last season, but he can allow himself to sort of fade into the background a little bit, and I think they're going to keep pushing him to take more risks, make try to make more plays, and hopefully he does that and he takes another step, because there's going to be a lot of ice time available with guys like Ivan Provorov and Tony D'Angelo gone, you could easily see Cam York as the number one power play defenseman because who else is it going to be? It's like him, Risto, or Sanheim? Like, that's pretty much it, right? I just, like, I want to see Sanheim get the time. <laughs> it's just one of those, like, I, like... Just show me. Yeah. Show me he can't do it because I've been waiting five years. They've for given it. him occasional like stretches of four or five games. I, I need a month. Like a month. Like, give, yeah. me t- give me till Christmas of him running the path. If listen, if York's better at it, sure. Right. Let it, but I'm just saying. We've been begging for Sanheim power play time to the point where we gave up on it, and I just don't <laughs> like him anymore. I'm yeah. like, I'm done with Sanheim, even though they've never given me the thing I want to see <laughs> out of him. I, it's it's frustrating, but we're talking about the uh, the setups for the D pairs and what could be, but we got actual lines today, baby. No, we did. No one likes anything. I, it's probably all fan bases. No one likes anything more than uh, line combinations because it's like the easiest thing to like dissect. Like yes. you're playing NHL and you make your oh who fits with yeah. who perfectly. We need the right-handed setup guy feeding the lefty ones. Like it. it Everyone loves line combos, and we got them today. It's something to discuss. So they did run line combinations. They basically split the uh, the training camp roster up into three groups. They had a bunch of scrimmages, and in these scrimmages were line combinations. Now, granted, they mixed them up a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about this later when we get to Couturier. Like, sometimes, because they, they basically had... 10 forwards on each team so they had to do some cycling but I kept an eye out as to which lines were most consistently used and you know, we'll you said they gave Couturier some shifts off they did they did which makes sense they're uh, trying to ease yeah. him back in a little bit but and like the one guy who like, yeah we want to prove he's in shape and ready to go and everything but he's not earning a spot anywhere exactly. he's the one see if he can play exactly but the, the line combinations that I saw across all of the um, across all the groups so so presumably line one, which looks like line one, it was Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, Owen Tippett. Then you've got Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost, Cam Atkinson, Scott Lawton, Noah Cates, Tyson Forrester, Nick Delorier, Ryan Paling, 
Garnet Hathaway. And then you've got the two not quite NHL line, lines where you have Ole Lixell, Elliot Desnoyers, Bobby Brink, and then Falchon, the camp invite guy with Tanner Lazinski and Wade Allison. This so those are your one. six like NHL-ish lines, and those top four lines sure look like they could be a preview of what it's your top four lines are for game one. The top four very much the Couturier, Frost, and Cates lines. And the paling, like th- these look like yeah. The paling line is what we talked about. These, like yeah. that's the chalk fourth line. Yeah, that's the, the expectation. Like these are the, you know, I would have maybe like mixed and matched a couple of guys, but these are the twelve forwards we assume are going to be. And then there's Lixell, Denouier, Brink, the guys who are close, but right. we'll see. This speaks horribly about Lazinski and Allison in my mind. Um, Jonathan, uh, this this Anthony Fauci guy, Jonathan <laughs> Falchon. Uh, oh, like my God. His name, not on cap friendly because he's a camp invitee, uh, undrafted 19-year-old. If you're on a line with him, now listen, maybe they like him. There's some nice things written about him on Elite Prospects about his uh, vision and passing and what he might be able to do on a power Future play. Future star. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, maybe he has a nice AHL career or something. I, I'm just saying, overall, though, if you're on a line with this guy, you're not probably thought of in the NHL picture. It's, like Wade Allison isn't making this team. Well, no, I, I do not think I would go that far. I, I think that I think what this tells me is that he's certainly not right now in a spot where he's in the opening night lineup like that right now especially and we've talked about this with regards to that that battle for that final top nine wing spot where Tyson Forrester is in the lead he is the favorite they want him to go out there and take that role if he doesn't go out there and take that role Wade Allison to me is like the fallback plan Tyson Forster is on a line with the coaches two favorite guys on the team Scott Lawton and Noah Gates yeah. no they're gonna give him he's every chance the team. they're gonna give him every chance to make a team That's... if he burns the rope he still might make it. yeah right exactly exactly but again he could flop we haven't seen sure. him yet in preseason yes. games but I do agree that they are setting him up to make this team which makes you wonder where does Wade Allison fit like is his best case scenario right now 13th forward right now it seems like that's where it's shaping up like I don't think that they would wave Allison he played a lot of games last year and when we talked to John good when we talked to John Tortorella today he was pretty complimentary of him he basically said hey Wade did a lot of really good things last year he improved over the course of the year I liked what I saw from Wade Allison and then I kind of followed through it and always hurt well he did not throw it and always hurt he, he avoided that thing but I followed up with that with basically like yeah fair you're you're saying you like him you're you like the progression but Cam Atkinson's back You've got Tyson Forrester trying to make the team. That right wing side on the depth chart, pretty deep. How important of a camp is this for Wade Allison so he doesn't get pushed out? And Tortorella more or less said, oh, yeah, it's important. And the quote specifically was, but Allie, he's in a dogfight. Just do the math. And I think he knows that. I hope he accepts the challenge. We'll see where it goes. So maybe there's like part of this, too, is they're kind of throwing down the gauntlet. They want to see Allison have a big camp. But as Tortorella said, you look at the math here, there's only 12 forward spots. There's five guys that are 
natural right wing to the point where Owen Tippett is starting out on the left side, apparently, because like Konechny and him kind of switched off today. Then Tortorella said that Tippett was going to be the first natural right wing they tried on the left side. So they're moving Owen Tippett, one of the team's best players last year, to his off wing. Like, they're not going to bend over backwards for Wade Allison. He's going to have to do it. He's going to have to earn that himself, you know? Yeah, and that's maybe it's a little bit of that motivation. Like, I, um, you know, Chip Kelly comes in and it's like, yeah, Deshaun Jackson, Shady McCoy, you're not starters. Uh, you're in the set. You have to earn, everyone has to earn their spot. Right. It's like, yeah, Wade Allison, not comparable to those guys, no. but it's, he's probably higher on their list of dudes than this, but. He's really he, like he's going to have to impress. It's not yeah. Forster who has to knock the door down. I think it's Allison has to beat the younger guy. Yeah, yeah, and and it's tough because I mean you look at that fourth line that we that we showed the um, the Deloria Paling Hathaway and Hathaway line like Garnett Hathaway they signed. You presumably he's in the lineup. They really like him. Nick Delorier, like a lot of fans will look at this and they'll say, well, just find a way to get Allison in, put him on the fourth line, bench Delorier. And you know what? Maybe that will be an option at some point. But as we talked about yesterday, the Flyers really do value this idea of having the tough guy in the lineup to protect the kids. And while it doesn't necessarily mean he has to be in the lineup for 82 games, I think more often than not, he's going to be in the lineup. So you might dream that, oh, they'll bench Lurie and, you, and put Allison there. But I think that has to remain a dream. I just don't think that's what the Flyers are going to do. I don't dream that. As well, much, you don't dream that. As much as I like Wade Allison and want to see him make this team, I do not dream that. You want no. to see those fights. I, I really, if really If the team's going to lose, you want to see them fight. I really want to see the fights. And I want to see all of you in the best possible gear this season. And you can do it with FOCO because they have the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Listen, it's football and tailgating season. Hockey's about to come back. Baseball playoffs, you know, NBA right around the corner, all of it. And you can get everything you need for these upcoming seasons at FOCO, whether it's overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for game day. Or if you're looking for team apparel and accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, anything for your man cave, they have that as well. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show, and for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. Check out FOCO today. I did appreciate yesterday when you audible to She Shed. Yeah. Because Kelly was there. Yeah, that, was that was great. For Kelly. We, we could do Man Cave, She Shed. We can, we can split it up. <laughs> we can. Yeah, we can, we can, we can change it up I'm on occasion. I'm trying to get through these. Especially, a day, through these. especially <laughs> a day like today where it's like I have two shows basically planned in this outline and <laughs> we're not going to get to most of it. But I, I want to keep going through uh, some of these lines here. Uh, one of the things that I found interesting, and it's day one of scrimmages, sure. they're splitting the stuff up for th three different freaking, you know, groups they're just trying to they're trying to get through it too like, right until it starts to cut down and they actually have to make a like what looks like a real lineup but we talked a lot about the uh frost and tippet connection how maybe they want to keep those two guys together and i talked about the idea of like oh well in my mind it's you know it's faraby and connect with couturier tippet with tippet with couturier is it's a little bit surprising. I mean, it shouldn't be because he was their best offensive yeah. player for a lot of last year. Uh, but 
kind of a little bit a little bit surprising to me that they're going to move him to his offside rather than maybe move him down in the lineup. That's how much they believe in him. If I had to guess, because I don't think they're at the point yet where no. they are looking at this and saying like, "This These is are the line." Yeah, this yeah. is a trio for game one. It could be, but I don't think they're there yet. What I think more than anything, this probably is, is just an acknowledgement that. Hey, you know who our two best forwards were last year? Connecting Owen Tippett and Travis Konechny. Yeah. And you know who our number one center is? Sean Couturier. So let's just put the guys at the top of the depth chart, at the top of the depth chart, and see if they click. And you know what? If they don't, we'll move things around. But let's give our three most talented forwards the opportunity to show that they can work well together. And then if they work well together, then that's your first line. Your first line is your three best forwards. And I do like the idea of while Faraby struggled last year, um, especially maybe doing the little things, not just to score, but really just living up to John Tortorella's standard. I do think of him as a decent two-way player. Yeah. And I like the idea of he and Atkinson with Frost, who might be a center that struggles a bit on the defensive end. Like I like that dynamic of those guys. So I can, again, this is all subject to change. You know, we're, we're probably going to have different lines every day for the next week. Very possible. Uh, but I, I do like the thinking that's going into this lineup thus far. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely worth pointing out that the top nine, maybe not in exact structure, is the way people expect it. But in terms of personnel, it is exactly what people yeah. expect it, including the day one, or I guess day two, because day one, they didn't have pucks on the ice, but the day two presence of Tyson Forrester. The first day the, f the analytics people were allowed in the exactly, building. Exactly, exactly. science people yep. were allowed yeah. in today. Now, now you're allowed it's to day watch. day one for them. Day one for them. But the Tyson Forrester is in this mix as well, that he is right now viewed as a opening night top nine forward and he has to lose that job essentially how did uh today we actually saw some scrimmage action and again they've been doing this all summer and couturier's been practicing we know since the end of last season how'd the injured guys look couturier and atkinson in some like simulated game action i would say couturier looked good um, Atkinson, granted, I was doing a lot of transcribing during his scrimmage, so I wasn't keeping as close of an eye on that scrimmage as I was the Couturier one. But I thought Couturier looked good. He looked rusty, which makes sense. He was turning the puck over a little bit, but he still looked strong on the puck. He was still protecting it. He was still playing Sean Couturier hockey. Cam Atkinson made a couple plays, but he's going to be rusty too. These guys are, are going to need some time to, to work the kinks out, to, to kind of get themselves back into a rhythm. I did ask Travis Konechny, who has a long history of playing and watching Sean Couturier, because Owen Tippett, yeah, you know, he's played with him today, but he's barely played with, yeah. with Sean Couturier. Travis Konechny, on the other hand, has played with Couturier a for a, a yeah. long time, and I asked Travis Konechny, does he look like the same guy pre-surgery? And Konechny was basically like, oh yeah, it's Coots. Yeah, TK's quotes, and I don't think he's going to come out and be like, oh buddy, I think that contract was a mistake. <laughs> he's cooked. Like, he's, yeah, I don't <laughs> think he's going to say that, uh, but the quotes I saw from TK today were all like, Yo, Coots is back. Yeah, like he's Coots. Yeah. It's, just, it's the same dude. Uh, so we talked yesterday about um, 
this team's luck turning. Like eventually, yeah. eventually we just have to roll double sixes. Like it just has to come up. Good you would for think, us. right? And uh, Tyson Forster got hurt today. That was real scary. It looks like he's <laughs> what okay. Happened? But it, it was actually hilariously enough. It was a really nice play by him. He kind of. So he's Wade Allison now. He's gonna make a great play and then miss a month. God, I hope not. But no, he he just kind of <laughs> dangled through a guy, created a nice chance. You know, basically like attacked the net. And I was about to say, man, that was a good play by Tyson Forrester. And then as he was passing by the net, lost an edge and crashed into the boards real hard and stayed down on the ice. And you're just thinking, oh, God. Here we go. Like our this, is, one, this is the moment. The thing that we are all, you know, like Mishkov, we're not going to get for a while. Yes, Cam York, but it's not as if he's going to score 25 goals this year. Yeah. I mean, he could, I guess, but that would that'd be, be absolutely freaking insane. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, like, like Forster is the new exciting toy yes. that... If he were to get hurt, and it seems like he's okay. I saw you tweet like he was testing his shoulder and he was grimacing a little, but he's all he looks okay. Yeah. Like if he were to get hurt on yeah. day, basically what is day one essentially, I I might quit this job. <laughs> it's like really no, we just is, we just can't I, have nice things. You know what? I, I need this money badly, but <laughs> for my mental health, I'm just gonna go pump gas at Wawa. It's gonna just be much less taxing if this is just what this team's gonna be forever. But yeah. uh, his arm didn't fall off. It did not fall <laughs> off. He, it, it looks like he avoided a major issue. Oh. He stayed on the bench. He never went back to the locker room. The trainers were all over him, understandably. <laughs> and the scary part, the really scary part about it for me was it was his shoulder. It's I'm fairly team. certain it's the same shoulder he had the surgery on. Oh, so God. you're just like, oh God. That said, after the trainers were with him, he went back to the bench, skated another few shifts. He didn't look as engaged because he honestly, and this was, this would have been the really awful part. If it turned out he is seriously injured, he looked real good today. He scored the first goal of the scrimmage, like seven seconds into like the scrimmage. Sec- yeah. yeah. He just went down the ice and ripped one. And you're just for, like, Oh damn, this for, ain't the guy from rookie camp for a guy that we said like, Ooh, did not check that box in the rookie games. He came out right away and yeah. looked like the guy we need him to look like. Yeah, yeah. He was oh. engaged. He knocked Travis Konechny on his butt, which was hilarious. <laughs> um, like, he was very much involved. And you're watching him and you're just like, yeah, this is the guy who... This is the guy who Ian LaPerriere thought he was going to get last weekend. This is great. Then he crashes shoulder first into the boards, comes up, you know, not limping, but, you know, favoring that shoulder. And you're just like, oh, God, it's happening again. It's happening again. But as I said, he did come back. He played some more shifts. Hopefully, he's just going to have, like, a big old bruise, and he'll be fine. I am speaking now directly to all of the local breweries and beer companies. I need you to sponsor this show. Somebody out there has to step up and provide me alcohol to watch this team. Because, God, like, it's day one, Charlie. And we almost lost the only thing that's, like, the least bit hopeful about this year. I need you. I need someone step up. Yeah, that's I'm not picky. I will talk the shit out of your beer and drink a lot of it. <laughs> I need you. possibly on air. I don't know if we're allowed to do that. I don't know. We'll have to ask. I said I would because you talked about that 11 p.m. game they have this year yeah. for the what hockey day or whatever it is. Where yeah, every the all plays. day hockey thing. And I said I'm going to do that post game drunk. And Tyler, who was our uh, 
our producer yesterday just laughed. He's he like, didn't say you can't. Yeah, he didn't so. say no. Yeah, so we'll <laughs> just see. float at that idea. <laughs> so was there any other... We're actually going to get to a little bit of the Metro. We're going to make it. Was there any other thing that stood out from the first day of Pucks? It's a good question. I, I would say no. It was good to see Couturier active. It was good that Tyson Forrester didn't get injured. I, In all honesty, probably the biggest thing I noticed was Forrester in that he looked much more like the guy who you wanted to see last weekend. He looked like the guy who is NHL ready and not just NHL ready, but ready to make an impact at the NHL level. That was exciting. Now just fingers crossed he's back out on the ice tomorrow and they didn't find out that like he sprained his AC joint or something and he's going to miss a month or two. It's stressful watching this team and we're crossing our fingers that it all works out. Yeah, You should never ever have to cross your fingers that you're going to get tickets to an event that you want to go to. Damn straight. The best way to make sure that doesn't happen, you use game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is... Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. I'm starting to get a little hyped for flyer season. I know something's going to happen. Slowly but, but surely. Start getting hyped for that and... Listen, don't have to stress over tickets. Just get game time because it is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You're going to make money on it. That's how confident they are that they are the place to uh, get all of the tickets you need. So snag the tickets without distress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I thought it was a guarantee we would not get to any of the Metro Division preview. We made it. Thought it was going to be a fun joke for <laughs> the next three weeks, but here we are. Uh, Twelve minutes left. We have, <laughs> We can talk about, you know, six of the eight teams. We have spent enough time talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't think we need to get to them. Uh, we have an entire show dedicated to the Philadelphia yeah, Flyers. We, we don't need so to, we can, to do a, a, a what, 10,000 <laughs> yeah, foot view of the Philadelphia can, Flyers. We can start out with the, uh, the rest of the teams in this division Beginning with the Carolina Hurricanes, 113 points last year. DraftKings has their over-under this season at 109 and a half. Uh, they were second to only Boston in the President's Trophy race last year, but swept out of the conference final in one of the flukiest sweeps you'll ever see. Yeah, it was a they wild sweep. Game one, three to two in four overtimes. Game two, two to one in one overtime. They get shut out one nil in game three and then lose game four, four to three. One of the most competitive with a minus four goal yeah, differential. Truly one of the most competitive sweeps I have ever watched in any and sport. I gotta say, I as a sports commentator hate that they have recognized like no we have the 
we have the right philosophy, and we're just going to run it back. We're not going to overreact to, you know, well, like, they are very much the Oakland A's. Like, we are, we have the right thinking, yeah. and the playoffs are a crapshoot. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. And that's the Carolina Hurricanes right now. They're basically running it back. Like, their additions are Tony D, who may or may not even play for them. Yeah, he's their defense a third-pair guy Their defense is most. freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bunting, Brendan Lemieux, Dmitry Orlov. Uh, very good defensive yeah, addition as well. But the, like the bunting and uh, Lemieux additions. Okay, maybe we got pushed around a little. The Islanders, that's their thing. They push you around. Florida with Kachuk, that was their thing in these playoffs. We're going to get in everyone's face, play that playoff style. But mm, didn't make a ton of changes. They're just kind of running it back. And I appreciate it, but also, man, hard to have a hot take about them. Yeah, it, it's... It's interesting when I think about the the Hurricanes because I hate to say that you wonder if that series against Florida would have had a different outcome if, but I do wonder if that series would have had a different outcome if Sveshnikov is playing. The biggest thing missing for them last year in the playoffs to me was didn't like Kachuk was that guy. Yeah, they didn't have that guy. Goalied like they got goalied. That's what happened. Yeah, but Kachuk had that. Okay, one dude is going to take over. And as deep as Carolina is, they don't have that guy. And by far, the closest thing they have is Sveshnikov. And he tours ACL in March. Yeah, and that's that was the thing. Like, I don't know if Sveshnikov has the upside to be a superstar, but he certainly is the closest thing they have to it. And he was a second overall pick. He's got a ton of talent. I kind of keep waiting for him to take that next step where he goes from being, like, from a really good player to being a star-level player. I think he has it in him. Whether he does it or not, I don't know. But he's the kind of guy that has the talent to turn a game on a dime. And and that, truthfully, like, that's this team's biggest weakness. And I, I really like Carolina. I think depth-wise, they're great. I don't think they have a lot of holes. I think Rob Brindamore is one of the, if not the best coach in the NHL right now. He's very much up there, regardless of who you would have number one. He's top three, top five at worst. So I think they have a lot of things going for them, but they don't have those superstar-level players. And they're trying to get it done without those guys, unless someone like Svechnikov takes that leap. It's, you know, I don't think it's impossible. Like, the Blues showed that it can be done if everything breaks your way. But it's harder. It's harder without that guy. I mean, even Florida, they didn't win it all last year. But they had Kachuk just going nuts and being like, I'm one of the top five players in this league right now. Carolina is an intriguing case study as to whether you can actually do it without, you know, a Crosby. I mean, even even look at Vegas. They had Eichel, and Eichel they was firing Eichel, on all yeah. cylinders. Like they went out and they got that game breaker dude who terrifies opposing defenses. The Canes don't really like. I like Sebastian Ajo a lot. He's not on that level. He's an excellent two way center. Yes, he's not winning an MVP. Yes, like, that's never exactly. going to happen. He's not going to be in the conversation. And the question with with Carolina is. Can you win a championship without having anyone on your roster be in the conversation for MVP? And I don't know. I guess we'll see. Are they, like, to me, listen, they still have a good window because most of their players are pretty damn young. Um, 
I don't want to. I don't want to channel Steph Driver here. I'm not going to say I'm tired of them. But you're a little tired. But of they're them. <laughs> they're just really starting to seem like uh, Nashville or San Jose to me, where it's like you're never going to get it done, are you? It's possible. Like you're just going to be. You're going to yeah. be one of the top five teams every year. Yeah. And you're just never going to quite be there. Yeah, and that's the criticism they receive in their local market sometimes, but definitely nationally is just that. When are they going to step up and take the big swing and you know, well, make, make done, some done. make a big let it happen. Make a big trade, you know, make a big signing and and try to take a risk to go and get that guy. But the way they look at it, the way their front office looks at it is, we would rather make be money. Not even no no. <laughs> I mean yeah, of course they want to make money. Yeah. But the way they look at it is, we would rather be a top five team for six years and basically bank on the the, the coin coming up heads one of those six years and yeah. us winning a title than us to cut our window into a three-year window but be a top three team. And it's an interesting strategy because it does run counter to what most of the NHL would do in that situation, which is why they're such a fascinating team to watch because they're doing it differently than everybody else and we'll see if they get proven right. And uh, just something, I forgot that this happened. They don't have an AHL affiliate. Yeah, that's a weird. That, this is twenty twenty. Like this I is remember, where the money thing comes yeah, into play. Like, I remember being. I remember being uh, like a Phantom season ticket holder in ninety eight, and there were like some teams that split uh, AHL affiliate. Like what? What? Uh, how in this year? Do we not like you don't have a minor league team? Yeah, they're just gonna That's have their guys insane. scattered around the, the AHL apparently. I haven't di- dove into that situation to the point where it's I just where, where I feel ready to comment on yeah. like what's actually going on there. All I can say is tell you it's real weird. I'll tell you what's going on is the owner's cheap as hell. <laughs> the owner um, is cheap. <laughs> well, let's get to the devils for these last couple of minutes here. Uh Man, they <laughs> talk about two opposite ends of the spectrum here. Like Carolina, awesome, but doesn't have that guy. Jack Hughes, they got oh, that guy. We were they there sure was, got there was that a guy. A little bit of skepticism about him. Like, does can he finish it at an NHL level? He has so much skill, and then oh yeah, he can. Oh, he can. And they are just poised to. Maybe we're all underrating Carolina a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit of that fatigue. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they've been awesome forever, but they're not going to get it done. So Devils, new shiny thing. They're winning the division, but a point behind them last year, and looks like they got better. Well, you just look at the Devils, and I think the difference between the Devils and... The, the Canes is that they just have more of those super high-end guys. Like, Jack Hughes is on a level that no one on Carolina is at. Uh, he, he's, they're, His he's, little brother's pretty good, too. Yeah, but, like, Jack yeah, Hughes yes. is on a different tier than the best players on Carolina. And then... The Devils also have a bunch of guys who are just as good as the best guys on the de- on on Carolina. You know, guys like um, like Nico Heischer, guys like Dougie Hamilton, guys like Jesper Brad, who I'm really really a big fan of. Guys like Timo Meyer. Like they have like three or four guys who are equivalent to the Sebastian Ajos on Carolina, and then they also have Jack Hughes, who like probably is going to win an MVP at some point. Yeah, he's. It wouldn't be shocking if he is a Hart Trophy finalist this year. Wouldn't blow um, me away. It like going to be tough for anyone to really unseat one of the Oilers because they're going to have 200 points. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, like 350 between them. Uh, but he could very well end up being a finalist. I'm really, I can't believe this. Looking forward to uh, watching New Jersey this year, which is nothing, not something I've ever said in my entire life. I will life. never, never get there. But uh, the, the big question for but, them is 
goaltending. Are do, they, do they have the goaltending? That's the, like, you know, they were okay with Vanacek last year, and then Akira Schmid or Schmeid, what is it? I think it's Schmidt. Schmid. Schmidt, yeah. Yeah, came in in the playoffs and actually looked pretty good. Looks like they're going to tandem them cool, up this cool year. Cool thing about him, he's named after an anime character. Really? Which I think is really cool. Oh. Yeah. It's a cool, cool backstory. Like, do you, is that what's potentially, that's what's going to hold them back? If they don't overtake Carolina, it's because they don't get the goaltending. I would say so. That to me, the thing with goaltending is it's, as we've talked about, it's voodoo. Like, yeah. you just don't know. Like, a guy who you think stinks can carry your team to a cup. Like, it, it just... Bobrovsky has been horrible since he signed his contract <laughs> in Florida and basically single-handedly took a team to the final. Yeah, and then he got beat, by, then he got beat by another guy who, like, what, started out the year as the number three in Vegas? Yeah. Aiden it, Hill, who it, no one heard of until the playoffs It's started. a weird position. So <laughs> I don't... Fake. It's one of those things where I don't blame teams l- for looking at it and just saying, like, ah, well, it's a crapshoot anyway. Why are we going to spend money on the position? But then you end up giving up, like, you get to get crushed in a playoff series, and then it becomes, as Snyder comes in and says, we ain't doing that shit again. Yeah. Get me the highest paid goalie on the market. So And then it turns out you had the right guy all along. But, yeah, right. again, <laughs> can't cry over spilled milk. I'll just want to get to the Rangers real fast. Um, what the hell is this team? Like, what are they good? They're well, they're a team uh, with some really, really good high end players, <laughs> and then a lot of young players who we thought were going to be better than they are. Yeah, like, like they have, they have. Kako and Lafreniere, and that's what's holding this team back. Yeah. If those two live up to their where they were drafted, they're very good. Yeah. If they don't, they're in a ton of trouble. Yeah, well, because, I mean, you look at it. They have Artemi Panarin, who, granted, isn't as good as he used to be. But, but he had 92 he, points last he's year. He's still a dynamic still player. A great player. Yeah, yeah, he's still a great player. Then you've got Adam Fox, who's one of the five best defensemen in hockey, maybe even higher than that. Your and boy, then Keandre got, Miller. And, well, I mean, Keandre Miller, I love Keandre Miller, but, like, he's a, a top four guy. More points than either of those top picks I just mentioned Beautiful. last year. 43 versus 40 and 39 for the other two. Beautiful. But then you have probably the best goalie in hockey in Igor Shesterkin. So yeah. you've got an elite forward, an elite defenseman, an elite goalie. And that's why you look at the Rangers and you say, for whatever flaws they have, the rest of the lineup, like they're going to be in the playoffs because you don't have an elite player at every single position and not cruise the to a playoff. Like, break. Yeah, you have, you have the puzzle pieces. It's yeah. just like the whole, you know, you know how you're supposed to start with the outline. They don't have that. Yeah, it's just it's just the big, main the, the big pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're just so weird. I don't know if they're good. And you just mentioned, okay, yeah, maybe the best goalie in hockey in Shesterkin. They're gonna back him up with Jonathan Quick, which means Shesterkin's gonna play seventy-four games. I'm guessing, like that's the hope. Yeah, Jonathan I, Quick stinks. Yeah, he's, I am he's a, old. <laughs> I am a Quick fan. I like I stuck with him longer than every when everyone was like, "How do you have him in for Team USA? He's the reason." I'm like, "No, we're Team USA. It's why we didn't win gold because we never do." <laughs> uh, but like everyone's killing him. I stuck with Quick way longer than anyone. Guy can't play anymore. He's 37 years old. No, and it's, 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 it's a risk. It's a risk. So we'll see. Last year, what? So last year he had an 876 save percentage for the Kings. Then he was at 901 for, for Vegas. He was 910 the year before that, which I guess is what the Rangers are thinking. Like, well, if we can squeeze one more year of usefulness out League of John Quick. out of him. But... I don't know. And I guess it's not going to probably matter that much because Shesterkin's just that good. But they could, the Rangers, you could envision a scenario where they end up in a little bit of a dogfight for a playoff spot, especially if 
a couple of those teams that are, and we'll get to them at some point, a couple of those teams in the other division that are kind of on the cusp. If like Ottawa and Buffalo both take big steps forward, if Detroit takes a big step forward, suddenly if the Rangers aren't in the top three in that division, they might be in a dogfight for a wild card spot because the East looks strong. That's how I want to wrap up is last year. That was the top three in the division. It was Carolina, Jersey, and the Rangers, 107 points. Uh, they're over under a DraftKings for this year, 103 and a half. Mm-hmm. Just, do you think they're the third best team in this division? And if not, is is Pittsburgh back because I, of Eric Carlson? Or I, I think I think the Rangers are probably the third best team in the probably. division. Probably, probably. Like I don't. Pittsburgh made some moves and they've at least kept themselves relevant, but I still they're see not, <laughs> I still see them as a team with a ceiling of losing in the first round. Like, I'm sorry, they're not what they were. They missed the playoffs. Yeah, they missed and, and the Islanders are the Islanders. You know, they're they're fine, I guess. So to me, the Rangers are the easy pick as the third best team in that division. But you know, if if they get off to a slow start or whatever, maybe Carlson ignites the Penguins and they jump then to that third spot. There's enough going on in the East that the Rangers, while I think they're a playoff team, it might get a little dicey for them in a way that it won't get dicey for the Devils or the Hurricanes, in my opinion. Well, we did it. We got through half of, the, go. uh, of the division <laughs> and we'll finish it, I guess, next week or something. Probably. I, we'll figure it we'll out. We'll get there. Something will happen. Yeah. Uh, and that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Fly this week thank you all for listening thank you for hanging out see this week worked because it's the end of the week so right. i can actually say now you can say yeah yeah uh, so that is all the time we have for you on phly flyers this week thank you all for listening thank you for hanging out if you haven't already gotta hit that subscribe button search phly flyers wherever there are podcasts and boom daily content baby and make sure you go to allphly.com read charlie's articles sign up for that diehard subscription it's definitely worth it uh that's it chuck good second week i'm happy for both of us we have survived get a little rest get back to that grind because i need you pumping out this content oh don't worry I, I keep an eye out my plan is is that at some point later tonight i will have an article out on the announcement of todd Fedoric as the new steve Coates replacement i interviewed todd great dude should have that article up in the next few hours music to my ears all right my name is bill Matz for charlie o'connor have a great weekend philly 